from Beyond the Beltway. This is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics featuring occasional injections of Roman in your window, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight's featuring commentary by Democrat Philip Beverly and Republican, Trump Republican, Doug Ibendahl. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the WIND studios at AM 560 in beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Nice to have you with us. And I'd like to begin by uh, thanking Chris uh, uh, Roebling for sitting in here last week uh, while I was on vacation. The week before, we were uh, uh, pre-recorded, as they say. So tonight, we're back live. This is our first show of 2022. And uh, although tonight is going to look at the incidents and uh, the investigation into the January 1st, 2021 uh, pol- a riot at the Capitol. Uh, some may call it an insurrection. I'll call it a riot for the sake of this discussion. But before we begin with that, we we better remember that uh, you know the things that affect us most in life are not the big big issues like those that uh, the vice president has suggested uh, bring us to the level of 9/11 or the Pearl Harbor attack. But they're things that just pop up. I mean, w- the news tonight is filled with the story of 19 people who were killed, burned to death in their apartment a high-rise in New York City, the Bronx, rather. And uh, it was a space heater, a faulty space heater. And 19 people are dead, uh, 19, uh, nine children, 63 are hurt. And the devastation of what's happened in that city, it's happened before because... Um, we frequently hear, uh, hear about space heaters and the dangers that they create uh, in uh, apartments and homes around the United States. So again, uh, this is this is sort of the big, big picture that each and every one of us every day has to deal with the threat of something like this happening to us when uh, it is generally the nature of this program to talk about the big, broad, world-revolving uh, 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 news stories that uh, cause us to discuss what we discuss every Sunday night. So I just wanted to take a moment before we jump into a, a look back at uh, the uh, attack uh, on the Capitol last year and uh, begin just to offer condolences and, and uh, whatever we can do to, the, to those who are lost, that lost their lives. But again, if you've got a space heater in your house, uh, be careful. Watch it. If you're a landlord, uh, you're supposed to provide heat. You know that. If your tenants aren't getting enough heat, don't force them to get a space heater. A space heater could lead to a just tragedy. So that's my advice and comments as we begin our show in 2022. But now the topic of the night is um, the insurrection, the riot, the disturbance, whatever you want to call it, what took place a year ago at the Capitol. We have two people who probably disagree on absolutely everything, maybe with the exception that uh, uh, today is Sunday. Uh, one is uh, Doug Ibendahl, who is a, a longtime Trump Republican. He was a Trump Republican long before it was fashionable, long before he was president of the United States. And uh, Phil Beverly joins us. He has been a frequent guest on this show for well over 10 years. Uh, he is administrator at the University of Illinois uh, at Chicago. And gentlemen, thank you very much for, for being with us tonight. And uh, throughout the interview this evening, 
I'm going to ask uh, each of you to, uh, uh, I'm going to ask you a question about, uh, about what took place uh, a year ago and get your thoughts and, uh, and uh, opinions on that. But I want to begin with uh, what happened a year ago, and is there anything that you have heard, read, or seen in that last year that makes you think twice about what your opinion was a year ago? And I'm going to begin with Doug Imondo. Doug, go ahead. Well, there's still some unanswered questions. I, I wouldn't, uh, I also do not call it a, I would call it a insurrection. It was a, it was a protest gone bad. <clears throat> there's some nitwits who, uh, some nitwits who got carried away and, uh, and trespassed to the Capitol. Uh, very, very bad, very uh, embarrassing. It didn't, it, it hurt no one more than, uh, than Donald Trump. I was very, very annoyed at those people, but um, I think I think um, I think most really I think America outside beyond the Beltway, I think people America has moved on. This is we can uh, see what it is. It was some fools who who uh, let their uh, protest uh, get out of hand. Um, but there, there are some unanswered questions, though. I want to. 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 Staying on the. I want to. Excuse me. I want to pause for a moment, and before we get into the specifics of that, I want to be as balanced as we possibly can tonight. I want to go to Phil and ask him the the exact same question. Phil, did you see anything a year ago that 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 your opinion has changed at all? No, not not really, uh, and I, I don't care how it's characterized. I, I think we need to look at sort of what are the the underlying implications for that sort of activity. Um, I'm I'm I think most disturbed by a recent poll. I think it's a merits poll that talked about some thirty to forty percent of uh, Republicans surveyed in that particular poll. Thought it was okay to attack government if they disagreed with what government's doing and that really to me undermines you know one of the the principles of our democracy which is rule of law you know i didn't like that that um the guy got elected in 2016 i thought there was probably some irregularities and that doesn't mean anything if that election was certified in all the states by all the certifying authorities and the Congress did their job and that all the, the things needed to happen according to the, the laws of our system, you just got to live with it, suck it up and move on to the next election. Mm-hmm. If you, if you don't like, you know, losing elections, don't lose elections, be better. Mm-hmm. Don't lose by 8 million votes and then whine about how it was stolen. Be better than that. Okay. Let's go back to, uh, uh, Doug and Doug, you were going to bring up some of the points that Tucker Carlson has been uh, sharing with the audience in recent uh, months and weeks. Well, we, 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 right, yeah. For, for example, I mean, there's some unanswered questions. <clears throat> the um, specifically regarding the extent that uh, federal law enforcement was involved with uh, with chinning uh, up the the riot or whatever you want to call it, and encouraging people to go inside. There's a there's a famous uh, video you probably. We've probably all seen uh, it's an it's a older or, or middle older middle aged gentleman. Uh, 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 his name is uh, what is it Ray Epps? Ray Epps, who it uh, who is clearly seen on video 
ago or on a couple of occasions uh, urging Trump supporters to uh, to to go inside the Capitol. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to we, we're all going to everybody needs to leave <clears> the, <throat> the, uh, the Trump, the, the Trump speech, go to the Capitol and we're going to go in, in the Capitol. And there are people around them calling about, you know, they're saying Fed, Fed, Fed. And uh, reportedly, this guy. At one time, well, by the way, the I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, website. I don't speak for everyone. Wanted, just, now he's gone. But well, let me just say, I, I don't speak for everyone that's listening to this program. But I'm not so sure that the story that you have just expri- uh, expressed uh, is a is is well known amongst a lot of Americans. When we come back, we're going to talk more. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine from coast to coast and border to border. I want to talk about what happened a year ago. And your reaction to it then and now. Has anything changed? I'm Bruce Dumont. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. (laughs) I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. 
Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our guest, Doug Ibendahl and uh, Philip Beverly. And uh, I want to ask a couple of questions, gentlemen. And uh, these are basic questions. The, the Los Angeles Times this past week, uh, they looked at the incident by the numbers. And uh, I, I want to know whether people listening, regardless of what side you're on, are familiar with some of the numbers. You may disagree with some of the numbers. But I want to ask just about some really basic things. So, uh, uh, Doug, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how many minutes did Donald Trump speak before the alleged siege began? Do you know? I'd say, I'd say probably around twenty or twenty. Okay, Phil, do you know how long uh, President uh, Trump addressed the crowd before uh, the siege began? Uh, I actually don't. Okay. Anybody listening to the program and answer if you're if, if you're if you're in a room with this is meant for everybody listening to the program, uh, give your answer. Give your answer. Let people know. And I'm going to give you the answer right now. It's seventy. He spoke for seventy minutes. Uh, how, but the people surrounding the Capitol, surrounding the Capitol, not necessarily involved in any attack on the Capitol. How many people were involved in surrounding? the Capitol that day. Uh, what is your guess? I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you, Phil, on this one. What do you think? What's the number? <clears throat> We've uh, seen, 2,000, we... maybe. 2,000, okay. And, Doug, how many people do you think were surrounding uh, the Capitol uh, in, in, in the streets that day? Well, the, are, we, are we counting the ones? Some, some people from the Trump speech then then join that. You can count whoever I, say, you want. I'd you, say easily over over 10,000, I would say. Over 10,000, okay. Well, according to the National Park Service, uh, law enforcement said the current crowd size uh, was, about, was expected to be 80,000. The crowd size was actually 10,000, according to the Associated Press. And the planners of the rally, these were the Trump people, they had anticipated that 30,000 people, so they thought 30,000 were going to show up. Law enforcement was planning for 80,000, and according to uh, Associated Press estimates, 10,000 people showed up. I'm going to ask one last question, then we'll get back to, to some, uh, some discussion. How many police officers were on duty at that time at the Capitol? Police officers, only Capitol police officers, headed by uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, the boss. How many were there and stationed that day? And I'm going to start with you, Doug. We were just talking about just the, uh, just that one, just Capit that one agency, just, that one yeah, branch. Just the Capitol you know, it's, Police it's hard Force. To say those, 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 I mean, charged, those charged with protecting uh, the building and what goes on in the building uh, the Capitol Police Force, that includes the grounds. But how many police officers were there? That, that includes the ones with the helmets outside, plus the plainclothesman who, who shot the unarmed Trump supporter. Whatever, you, whatever, whatever uh, you want I'll say, to I'll say 200. 200. And, uh, Phil, let me ask you, how many Capitol Police officers were on duty that day? 
I would say around a hundred. A hundred. All right, in the audience, I want you to say, give me your answer now. It is, in your opinion, the Capitol Police officers on duty that day, more than 1,200. More than 1,200 were on duties duty that day. This is according to the investigation of the timeline and numbers by the Los Angeles Times. We're going to come back to this. Uh, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask one more question here because I think it it is it's a pivotal point, especially as as it relates to how the media reported this incident, because some would say that it looked worse on television than it actually was, and that can be said frequently for things that you see on television. And my question to you, uh, Doug, is how many deaths were caused by the rioting or insurrection? Deaths. How many people died? Well, there was, I, 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 <clears throat> there was, there was exactly one homicide, okay. exactly one homicide on that day, and it was the Capitol Police officer with a history of, of reckless behavior. Okay. He'd left a, left a, a gun unattended. Uh, in a in a bathroom apparently in the past, uh, who shot the uh, unarmed uh, Air Force veteran uh, without warning? Would you say that? Do you, do you that think was the only one? homicide that day. Now I know there's some other deaths who say, "Oh, so and so had a oh, heart well, attack." Let's, let's just say, let, let's just duck, 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 duck. People committed just, suicide. Uh, I'm, at, I'm it's asking. Hard to, it's hard to <laughs> tie those directly. I know you're. I know you're. A, you're a member of the bar. So please just address the question that the that the interview is asked. Okay, you say one, uh, Phil Beverly. My question yeah. to you: How many people died? How many people were, were died that day? Six. I, I want to say six. <clears throat> well, again, this is according to the investigators from the Los Angeles Times, and they've investigated a variety of things. The number is five. However. Uh, one of the five includes, which I think is questionable, one of the five is Brian Sitnik, who got a lot of publicity. He died after suffering two strokes. That was days after. And then there is this uh, the San Diego resident that uh, has been mentioned by Doug, and that's Ashley Babbitt, and she was shot by a Capitol Police officer while climbing a barricade, barricaded door in the Capitol. The others, some people like uh, AOC want to include any police officer that may have committed suicide, had some other ancillary issue, but who happened to be working that day. Frankly, I'd throw those out. And some media includes it, some media does not. But it seems to me, you know, the person, uh, Officer uh, Sitnik, who, again, he gave his life. But, again, it happened as a result of stroke, not necessarily a, a, a confrontation that day. So I would say that the number, the most accurate number, is one. I think it was, it was the one that was shot by the Capitol Police officer, Ashley Babbitt. And, again, you might want to say two. You might want to say that. But, again, we're not talking about thousands of people here okay we're going to go back to our discussion and i'm going to ask a few more questions later on and uh, i don't know how you're i hope you're keeping score at home as to how you're doing well in our little q a as, as far as the numbers are concerned but um as a political statement uh the, the president of the united states 
chose to address this issue this past week. And he gave a speech, and uh, there's a lot of people who think it was the most brilliant speech he ever gave. That's the way member, many members of the media uh, described it. It was an incredible scolding of uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Trump supporters, and President Trump specifically. And I would like to play just a short excerpt right now of what the president had to say, and then we will discuss it. For the first time in our history... A president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob breached the Capitol. But they failed. They failed. And on this day of remembrance, we must make sure that such attack never, never happens again. Okay. And then President Biden went on to say a little bit more and we'll hear that in a second, but I want to I want to get uh, the uh, Phil's response. Phil, when you uh, when you heard the president say that, I assume you either heard or, or read the speech. Uh, was it somewhat inflammatory, or do you think it was the right tone? Um, I, as far as tone goes, uh, I, I think given that it was you know given on the day. Um, it was it was probably appropriate, sort of the the righteous indignation and protection of democracy. I know there's there's some on the right who view it as sort of hyperbolic to say that our democracy is under threat. Um, I, I, I don't know. Was democracy under threat in 1861 before Fort Sumter? I don't know. Maybe um, history will probably tell us that. I'm, I'm not smart enough to know sort of in the moment. Um, and, and it's a political speech. And if people get so engaged and so bent out of shape about political speech, it's like, yeah, there's a lot more important stuff going on in the world beside elected officials. Should that have been, let me, let me ask you, obviously Joe Biden is a politician, but should that have been a political speech on a day when we're supposed to commemorate something? Something that the vice president said was as bad as 9-11 and as bad as Pearl Harbor. And I don't think anybody other than herself and her speechwriter believe that. But, I mean, that's what she said. Uh, and I mean, it I, seems I to me that, can, you know... I, I think you can agree with that at one level, which is about the principle of an attack on democracy, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you yes. can agree that it's an attack on democracy. If you're attacking the Capitol, the seat of our representative government, then that's an attack on democracy in the in the sort of meta sense, right? But in in the the sort of more practical sense, eh, it's probably hyperbolic, I, I would imagine. And again, it's political speech. And I know that politicians and and I think if we're if we're fair, on both sides, on all sides, politicians tend to sort of lean into hyperbole more than than regular people. How did you uh, hear the speech, uh, Doug? Well, it, in fact, Doug, you know, that, that's, strikes Doug, me Doug, as, Doug, uh, Doug, Doug, let me interrupt you. It was unfair for me to ask that question because we're going into a we're going into a commercial break right now. And I know that uh, a lot of people want to hear your words, but there's also there's literally thousands of people out there waiting for the next commercial break in this program. So uh, I'm going to give you your full due after we break and after everybody listens to every single word of the following breaks on Coast to Coast back shortly.
It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, I'll tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks for joining us tonight. Our first broadcast of uh, this year. Again, our thanks to Chris Roebling for sitting in uh, last week. And the week prior to that, we... uh, we put it in the can, and we prayed that there would be no huge story that uh, would break. And uh, actually, with the exception of some significant deaths that uh, happened, uh, there was no world-shattering event that, that took place. And by the way, just on a personal note, uh, a lot of people who are regular listeners to this program know that uh, the late Betty White was a very good uh, personal friend of mine and also the Museum of Broadcast Communications. She was a, a big supporter of uh, building that museum uh, and, and also was on our board for, for quite some years. And so the passing of Betty White uh, is, uh, 
is very sad to me personally, but again, uh, the joy that she brought to me and to many others, and in fact, for those listening in the Chicagoland area, uh, next Thursday, the uh, village of Oak Park, where she was born, is going to have a, a, a celebration of her life. So if you're in the area, check with the folks in Oak Park, Illinois, if you want to show up for that. Uh, let us take a moment now and let each of our guests introduce themselves. And we're going to start with you, Phil Beverly, because you've been on this program for a long, long time. Bring everybody up to date on what you're up to. Are you there? Phil? My second year, as a, or now third year, as an administrator at the University of Illinois Chicago, um, which is different than being faculty. I was a political science professor for 30 years. Um, I still get to teach, which is more fun than I should be allowed to have. And one of the reasons why I've always liked to have you on this program is you are a, uh, you're a progressive, you're a Democrat, but uh, you're not knee-jerk. I never quite know where you're coming down. Uh, you're an African-American professor from Chicago who was not early on the Barack Obama uh, bandwagon, which uh, made you stand out uh, many, many years ago. So I always admire uh, your appearance on this program, and congratulations as your uh, career in academia moves forward. Di Ibadol, for those that are listening to this program, and they have heard you for many, many years, I don't think it's as long as Phil, but certainly uh, along comes Donald Trump, and there's this guy out there campaigning and championing him and telling us every single week that he's going to be the next president of the United States. Some people thinking you were half-cocked at the, at the time, but uh, mm -hmm. you saw your man elected president. But tell everybody a little bit more about what you do when you're not carrying the flag for Donald Trump. Uh, thanks, Bruce. And thanks for having me back on again. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a Chicago lawyer. Uh, before law school, I was a, uh, a bank examiner for the Federal Reserve. And then I went back to, uh, to uh, law school. Lifelong Republican. Uh, Bruce, I think the first time I was on your show actually was in the, the first George W. Bush campaign wow. in, in 2000, quite a while ago. But... Um, yeah, I've I've never been uh, prouder to be a Republican since uh, we finally with Donald Trump. We actually finally got a fighter, an actual doer, someone who's actually getting things done and instead of just you know more wars in the in the Middle East, which both parties were doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'd be excited if he wants to run again. Okay, and uh, Phil, would you be excited if he ran again as well? Um, I think the thing that, that doesn't excite me about it is the, the sort of continuation of the, the 2020 election was stolen. If that wasn't part of the, the narrative, if that's what the Republican Party wants and that's the candidate they want to put forward, that's the beauty of democracy. And then let the, let the candidates and their arguments be decided by the people and hopefully not by legislators who want to overturn elections at the state level. Some analysts have suggested that that speech that the president gave uh, last week, uh, that was really meant to be red meat to urge and to really, frankly, uh, uh, tick off uh, Donald Trump uh, and, and get him into a rematch, that, that the Biden and the Democrats, they think that uh, running again against uh, Donald Trump and, and taking the, uh, the January 1st issue and, and continuing to jam it down everyone's throat with the uh, support and acquiescence of America's news media, 
that that's a that's a better case to be made to the American people because that that's a race they already won, and uh, everything else will be perceived as sour grapes by many, and that the Democrats don't have a great story to tell at the moment. So that they they're they're egging for a fight with Donald Trump. Do do you think any of that is true? I, I, I think uh, I think the Democrats, instead of uh, searching for desperately searching for a, a narrative that will resonate, I really wish they would uh, address this disastrous uh, Biden presidency and all the real problems okay. that Americans are dealing with right now. Let me let me interject for just a second uh, because that question on. that question Hold was it. to go it was to go to Phil Phil did you hear that question and your oh. response I I did um, I I think that the the Democrats do generally and I I've thought this for I think as long as I've been in the academy mm -hmm. um, do such a poor job of telling their own story. And so they let the, the other side de decide and, and narrate um, and curate what it is to be a progressive. And I refuse to sort of buy into that. I, I'll tell you what I am. Unfortunately, my party does such a bad job at that. The other thing that they do sort of a bad job at, and I, I don't know if, if this is going to help the Biden administration or not, is that they, they've they don't reach out to constituencies and communities that they do have some common interest with. Such um, as? We may not have liked 2008 and the outcome of Barack Obama being elected president, um, but that happened in large measure because Howard Dean implemented the 50 state strategy where Democrats actively engaged all over the country and and the president was able former president was able to win in places that quite frankly he shouldn't have won it he shouldn't have won indiana for example and yet he did and that was because there was an engaged democratic party right now i see a democratic party that is basically in free fall and has got some some democrats in name only like joe manchin i mean i wish joe would just go ahead and, and pull the plug and go ahead and join the Republican Party and make Moscow Mitch the majority leader again, and we can just move on from there. Uh, if he were to do that, I want to. This is a question we asked a couple of weeks ago in this program, Doug, and that was uh, assuming again we want to be real clear. You believe that Donald Trump should be should run again, and you will support him. But if that happens, if for some reason he decides that he's not going to do this, how would you feel about Joe Manchin switching parties? and becoming the Republican nominee in 2024. How would that grab you and well, follow I would love Trump to see people? Go ahead. I would, I would love to see Joe Manchin switch parties. I think his, I think his, his home is in the Republican Party. You want to see him but run for president? With, with the, do I think he's uh, the, the, the presidential nominee? No, absolutely not. I mean, no, no, absolutely not. That's got to be earned. That's just not some one-off, you know, some reward for some, uh, you know, for, for for switching parties, but wouldn't he? But wouldn't he? But wouldn't he? But Doug, wouldn't he be reporting? No, but wouldn't 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 he be remembered as the guy that really uh, said no to Joe Biden? I mean, he he he's the guy that even the people that are casually interested in politics may know that name because he's the guy that's been uh, in the congressional schoolhouse door here for the last year. I yeah. would I would. 
I would, I, I would buy him a drink. I would give him kudos <laughs> for coming home to his, uh, to his Republican natural home. But you know, if I, if I rate to declare him Republican nominee, no. Uh, Phil Beverly, yeah, my qu- here's, here's, here's my next. Here's my next. Here's my next question. I got a ne- I got a next question to both people, and this is uh, I don't know that we've got a graphic for this one. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just say this one. How many people have been arrested because of their participation in the attack of last year? I'm gonna let you start, uh, Phil. Um, I'm gonna say. Six hundred and fifty plus or minus fifty. That's pretty good. Uh, Doug, what's your guess? Uh, I would say it's too many. I would say Phil. I would say Phil is probably not far off. If, if this were Price is Right, I'll uh, I'll, I'll say it's uh, maybe a hundred lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven hundred. Uh, a little more than seven hundred have been arrested thus far. And Doug. Do you think it's it's wise for uh, the Justice Department to continue to search for and prosecute those uh, that were engaged in uh, disruptive activity uh, last year? I mean, should they all be rooted out? To, to, to for the DOJ to to proudly for the DOJ to proudly declare that this is <clears throat> the biggest federal investigation in history right no i I think i I think i think that's absurd i'm all in favor especially people who uh there were some bad eggs in there there's no question someone assaulted a a police officer absolutely prosecute them Mm -hmm. but you know what i'm old enough to remember when it was actually legal to walk around the capitol and i understand there were you know special restrictions in place that day Mm -hmm. but there were there were some bad eggs there no question but these people who are being arrested because their neighbor you know, uh, had nothing better to do but, you know, sit around and try to find pictures of them peacefully walking around the Capitol, not torching anything, not striking anyone. Okay. It's too much. Uh, you made your point. Let's go over to Phil. Phil is, is continuing to search for uh, more people that were engaged in that uh, disturbance. Is that the best use of federal investigated uh, tactics at the moment? I need a quick answer for him on this one. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, that's about as. And quick. I can I can after the break take five. Okay, that's a pretty quick answer. The only quicker answer than yes is no. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly from Beyond the Beltway in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. 
Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back with Beyond the Beltway. And Phil Beverly, you wanted to uh, elaborate on your last answer. Yeah, I, th- I think part of it is, uh, I think it's sort of twofold. So you have an incident where the, the state believes that there were, were laws violated and you're going to prosecute the offenders of those laws. Generally with misdemeanors, some have been charged with felonies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there, there is the, the perception of people not being above the law who participated in this event. I think secondarily though, because there were some some extremist groups linked to some of the activities, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, that that sort of group, they get most of the attention, mm-hmm. that it's about federal law enforcement and the, the federal judicial system, uh, justice system, um, pursuing those people and sending some deterrent messages to them that will come and get you. You do this in the future, we will find you and we will prosecute you and we'll put you in prison. You don't get to do this. And so there's this, mm. I think, necessity for deterrence, if you believe in deterrence, that that is only going to come about 
if you prosecute people and show that you have the will to do that. I'm not sure uh, in all the years you've been on this program where I would put you on the conspiracy uh, monitor. But do you believe or at any point in the last year, did you believe as you watched all this video, did you think that perhaps there were some agent provocateurs involved in that display of violence? You know, I, I, I don't. I, and when, when I hear that, you know, the federal government has, you know, agent provocateurs doing things, I just don't have that much trust and, and faith in their ability to be that sort of Machiavellian. To be quite so honest. you don't think you don't I, think I does don't that think does that also that mean Phil does that also mean that you never thought that about Seattle or Portland or the cities that were burned uh, by uh, uh, left of center and Black Lives Matter uh, radicals uh, the year before that you never thought that then. So. <laughs> Where I where I came down on that was a conversation with um, the my my martial arts instructor, who's a Chicago police officer who's mm-hmm. been in law enforcement for almost as long as I've been in the academy, and he was there at at some of the summer protests in 2020 here in Chicago, and he told me that they could see who was provoking the crowd, that the, the mm-hmm. crowd was generally. This was a, a BLM protest that he was giving me the example of mm-hmm. was generally very calm, you know, agitated, obviously, but they were able to pick out individuals in the crowd who were like trying to 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 egg on and, and really accelerate the, the tension. And so, yeah, I think there, there are those kinds of people there. I don't I don't know that that makes it a conspiracy necessarily. Doug, what I, I want to I want to bring I yes. want to bring I want to bring Doug into this. Doug, uh, to what extent do you think there may have been agent provocateurs of some nature that were instigating the violence against the Capitol on that day? Well, it's very possible. Like I said, we started off saying there are unanswered questions. Like this this Ray Epps guy again, but mm-hmm. also from from the left. I mean, look. Our, are you asking, Phil, uh, Bruce? Uh, yeah, you're asking me. Do I think that, um, that that violent leftists who who burned and looted and destroyed and assault, assaulted police officers that you know basically the entire summer of 2020, every major city? Do I think that they're capable of some nefarious activities during a, a big Trump rally? Yeah, you're darn right. I do absolutely. But that doesn't excuse the nitwits who. Uh, who were Trump supporters who went into the uh, Capitol that day? I'm not excusing them. What, but, but what, what mm-hmm. is what? But uh, here's a thing we, we've not talked about yet: are the people who a lot of my understanding is most of the people have been arrested. The majority of those are are not even accused mm-hmm. of a violent crime. We're talking trespassing about unlawful parading and trespassing primarily. Why are these people being held without bail for a nonviolent crime? No one, no one's charged. You know, we're calling this an insurrection. No one's charged with insurrection. No one's charged with treason. No one's charged with, uh, you know, uh, uh, raising a rebellion. We're talking about, uh, you know, really misdemeanors, uh, uh, trespass, unlawful parading. Why are these people being being held without bail? Um, you know, being, uh, 
you know, mostly disallowed any mm-hmm. visitors. There was a time in this country when there were actually liberals in the uh, Democratic Party who would have, you know, would have spoken up about major civil rights violations like this, but no more. Uh, the by the Party way, has become an authoritarian gentlemen, party. Uh, and gentlemen, they don't care about this okay. stuff anymore. Gentlemen, let me ask a very quick question. I need a quick answer from each of them. This is another. Uh, this is another question based on the Los Angeles Times uh, uh, story about the, var- the variety of numbers. The hours that the certification of election was delayed by Congress on that day. How many hours of delay were there? Do you know, Phil? I think it was about 10 or 12. Okay. I thought it was only about three. I'll say, I think it was only about three. The answer, this may surprise, and I hope everyone has answered that question, because this, I think, is a key question. Um, A little more than 13 hours so uh, democracy, with all of this going on, all the skullduggery, all of the violence, all of the threats, the gnashing of teeth, all of these alleged attacks on democracy slowed democracy down for a little more than 13 hours. And then everybody... And they were, and they were really only holed up. And they and all they, went and back they, to... And the Congress people were really only holed up out of action for about three hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, compare that to the scores, the scores of business owners in 2020 had their businesses destroyed twice, oh, yeah. twice, just a few months apart. No, you're, 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 I mean, your, your point and the point of, of your side is, is well taken, is that all of the focus appears to be on one incident. There doesn't appear to be a lot of focus on some of these other incidents, certainly in the area of congressional investigations. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion. I've got a few more questions about some of the numbers involved. I'd really like to hear from the audience. 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont. Weigh in tonight on Beyond the Beltway. Back shortly. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont, we're back, continuing with hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. Our phone lines 1-800-723-8289. I've got lots of people that are chiming in with email messages and uh, uh, things of that nature. I wish they wouldn't be so bashful about sharing their voice from coast to coast. 1-800-723-8289. Uh, Phil, before the break, were you going was, was there a point that you wanted to make before uh, we broke? Are you there? Uh, don't think so. Okay. All right. I, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about the, you know, the timing of yeah. the, the certification and it took right. some time. I, I think we should remember whether the, the um, representatives and the senators were ready to get back to work is sort of a secondary consideration, considering that the Capitol was now a massive crime scene. Mm -hmm. And as, as you know, um, with crime scenes, you can't sort of tamper with stuff that might be evidence. So sort of rushing back to work mm -hmm. because you can may not have been possible <clears throat> given the, the nature of the physical environment, mm -hmm. much less the, the emotional environment. I mean, I, I don't know if, if either of you have ever had sort of uh, a gun pointed at you or been in a, in a threatening situation like that. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, you need a minute. You mm -hmm. just need a minute to sort of get your wits about you again. I want to, you know, well, you, just so we're go clear. Ahead. Go ahead, Doug. Ivan Dahl. Well, just to say, so, since, since Phil mentioned guns, just so we're clear, to my knowledge, none of, none of the demonstrators, protesters, literally the Capitol had guns. Not a single one was armed. The, the police certainly did, and they, one of them, I, I would say, very unjustifiably, shot at an unarmed Trump, Trump supporter without warning. That was that. That was the only use of gun. Okay, uh, Doug, let me ask you this uh, question, and and also uh, uh, get your reaction as well, Phil. And that is, uh, when this occurred, uh, 
The election had already taken place. The results were final for many. They were not final for all. The losing side decided that they were going to stick their heels in and not accept defeat. And uh, they filed suit. And in many of those suits, almost unanimously, uh, the judges ruled against them. And what is followed, and again, I'm talking about the difference of what happened between uh, Election Day and January, uh, January 6th. How does that differ, in your view, Doug, from the way that the Democrats responded to the 2016 election that elected Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton? How did the establishment respond? How did the parties respond? Did someone was someone a gracious loser? Uh, where was there a was there a feeding frenzy to those that were ticked off that Donald Trump got elected? Because a lot more people were upset with Donald Trump's election than uh, with his victory. Go ahead. Your well, reaction. thank you, uh, Bruce. Thank you for that question. I was hoping we would get to that. Okay. Um, I mean, Phil could respond to this also. I'd like he to will. hear his response. I do want to hear that. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to speak out of school here. I. 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 I, I got a. I wasn't going to. Phil. Phil has been so. Uh, so. So gentlemanly on the show. I. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I had a tweet, an old tweet of his from 2016, which I believe he was uh, pushing the. Uh, the Russians stole the uh, 2016. Yeah. You know the collusion hoax. Um, so here, here's here's the big difference. Ask your question. But do, but do me do me do me a favor before you go and throw a grenade into the next uh, you know uh, voxhole. I want you to respond to the question that I just asked because I want to I want to focus the question now on the way in which people responded to the loss of the election as they perceived it, and many, as you know, thought that this was a bona fide loss on the part of the president. Not all, but a lot of Republicans thought that Donald Trump lost this election, and that was on election day. And now we're on this, now we're dealing with January 6th, before the inauguration. I want to talk about what's go, what was going on in the body politic, in the minds of political people, between those two dates. Because there's a lot of people that say, you know what, I thought Donald Trump was a good or great president. But you know what? What he did after he lost, he lost me forever. I want you to address those people. Well, I would, I would no, happy to. The way I would address those people mm. for supposedly talking about Republicans yeah. is they're is their uh they're very naive and they're very short sighted because if they uh the, the Democrats learned what they could get away with in twenty twenty. COVID came at a very opportune time for them to change all these rules. Uh, many of them unconstitutionally, by the way, because they didn't go through the state legislature like the um you're diverging like from my part. question. Speak to the question. These, these are all, but my point is, just don't dismiss. You cannot dismiss. The fact is there is evidence. There's there's quite a bit of evidence of <clears throat> of election tampering, election fraud. Did he get a full hearing? No. That's why I was so upset about January 6th is because these nitwits who, uh, they, they they went in there and they, uh, they uh, threw a wrench in the whole thing. There were a number, if you recall, there were a number of Republicans. I was very excited that day. 
there were a number of uh, senators and, and uh, representatives who were they, they had a very the Republicans were going to lay out a very uh, a, ver a very uh, organized uh, and, and detailed ex examples of fraud in the various in these like basically five states, and uh, that, for that, that was really going to be the first time that a national audience a national audience was going to hear this evidence. That all went away. That all exploded. The, uh, the these uh, these these people who went in and uh, trespassed gave it was an unforced error and let the other side completely change the narrative. Okay, you know, so all, the original plan all went away. That's so a, that's nobody, a, that, that's nobody an, was okay. No, but one thing that's a, that, about what happened on January sixth <clears throat> that Trump and his supporters. That's that's understandable. Now I want to go to Phil. Phil, do you buy any of that explanation as to? That you know they may have done what they did, but by doing what they did, they created a diversion that really has and a narrative that is really in mind in the minds of many Republicans, independents, sunk them from ever wanting to support Donald Trump again. Again, they may have liked him, they may have voted for him, but what happened on that day and the perception and the narrative of what happened on that day is now it's so uh, it, it, it's so poisoned the well that those Republicans and some independents will never, ever go back to Donald Trump because they think his fans and the lunatic people that are talking about all these issues, uh, including uh, uh, voter fraud, they were all included. They, they have been with a broad brush. They have been painted as a part of the insurrection team and, and violence against America. I don't know that it was necessarily an unforced error. I, I find it remarkable that the double-digit number of cases in the states that we're talking about that, that appeared before courts, state courts, federal courts, appellate courts, all the way to the Supreme Court, which declined to, to examine any of it, the, to say that they, good, there good, wasn't a hearing point. about election good, fraud good, good point. is just flat out good wrong, point. We actually. do have to, we do have to um, pause. If there was back election shortly, fraud, there back was shortly. ample evidence for that to be back provided. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. 
Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back from AM560, The Answer, WIND. That is our flagship station here in Chicago, the Salem Station, covering uh, Chicago, Illinois. Nice to have you with us. We broadcast from Elk Grove Village, and we always like to be specific that we are broadcasting from a suburb. It is in Chicago with all the crime that Chicago has and the notoriety. It was amazing on my trip. Uh, both I went to Florida and uh, California in the last couple of weeks. And the number of people that ask about the crime in Chicago and what's happening to this city was just amazing. So uh, uh, we hope that uh, Lori Lightfoot will get her act together. And uh, uh, before we go off the air, I want to ask a completely different subject of our guests but uh, about uh, what's happening in the city of Chicago. But back to you, uh, Phil Beverly, because you were about to make uh, or f- you were finishing up on making a point when we had to. Uh, to fade out because of the uh, the uh, the commercial break. So uh, you want to pick up on on, on your thought about uh, where we were? Yeah, I Bruce. I don't think that it's the the call them the tourists or the insurrectionists, whatever you call them, the people that were involved yeah. in the events of January sixth that are the ones that would impact the the voters in the Republican Party who would support and not support Trump. I, I really think it's more an examination of of the former president himself and his his continued adherence to this the election was stolen narrative and the not taking responsibility for really and trying to and and maybe as, as perceived by some inciting this some elements of this crowd mm-hmm. to, to violence, right? And so is is he going to be seen as responsible, um, especially given some of the stuff that's come out with the January 6th committee, you know, texts between 
um, members of the White House staff and Fox News personalities, for example, mm -hmm. uh, if those are to be believed, if they're telling him, look, you got to get folks under control and, and he, he didn't immediately, I think that's the thing Let's get Doug, that, I wanna, that I wanna, will I wanna, stick in voters' minds, the individuals <clears throat> who were at the Capitol that day. Doug, I want to I go back to you on that because when, when I read of the, uh, you know, the, the text back and forth between the Fox hosts and uh, people at the White House, whether it's Mark Meadows or others, uh, I mean, I, I agreed with them. I mean, uh, why did the president take so long to basically come to the conclusion that you came to, at least on this program, that, uh, man, all hell was breaking loose and, and this, none of this was helping you? Why did it take him so long to wake up to that televised reality? I don't think it took that long. Trump famously, he sent out a tweet at, at uh uh, two in the afternoon, which Twitter famously took down for for some inexplicable reason, but you're you're, you're again you're assuming this idea that uh, I'm not going to feed this narrative that somehow these were these were people acting under Trump's orders. These people who went in the trespass didn't did nothing <clears throat> but 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 hurt Donald Trump and and his whole. Uh, and, and and his whole his, his whole narrative. But why did these people that win isn't, into the isn't, Capitol? Isn't that two, isn't that something he should have understood? Isn't that something he should have known quicker than he did? I, I'm I'm not putting a, a time on it. I'm not he saying did, well, wait, wait, just quicker than it was. I mean the the point the, the the thing. And and let me just give you my you know let let me offer my personal uh, assessment of uh, of the day. I, I spoke about the day a year ago, uh, probably a year ago on this program when we discussed what had happened. And here was my reaction. When I, w and you know that I have, that I have been, I've given more opportunity to, to Trump supporters like yourself and the Trump position, probably, I don't want to say that any other program on the air, but certainly I have been very fair, bending over backwards to be fair to Donald Trump during the buildup to the presidency, during his presidency. And this, this is where I run into a problem. And I said this a year ago. When I was home watching this incident on TV with my own eyes, the first word that I used in my own brain to describe what was happening was insurrection. I listened to the speeches. I listened to the speech by the president. I heard Don Jr. I heard Rudy Giuliani. I mean, if there was ever a speech that was whipping up a crowd, now he may have said, "Now go over there and peace, you know, peacefully march." He may have said that, and he did say something similar to that. But I mean, the way that that crowd was whipped up, he wanted action. He he want you now. We got to fight for it. I mean, it was clear what he wanted, and then to see what happened. And by no. the way, I realize. Let me just finish my point. I realize, and I I, I am a believer that. Agent provocateurs frequently work on the cusp of world events, be they right or left, and that instigators can take a very small incident or a very small group of bad apples, as you described them, a very small group. They can make things look really bad because the television cameras is focused on one thing, and there's one thing the television cameras love, and that is violence. Someone creating violence is going to get air covered. 
just like the people that were that were rampaging uh, the the uh, Justice Department and the post offices in Seattle and Portland last year, throwing the Molotov cocktails. They're the ones. The rush of the crowd. They're the ones, the firebombs, they're the ones that get all the coverage, all the film, all the video is of them. So I knew that. But the thing that really stuck to me, with, and, and I was listening in real time, why would the President of the United States sit by and do nothing? And this was when he was doing nothing. When his own Vice President was under attack and the possible victim of some violent response. I mean, this is the most loyal vice president that any president ever has had, and I'm talking about uh, about Mike Pence. For him to throw Mike Pence under the bus and not speak up, he lost me. He lost me then, Doug. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you respond, but I want you to know how I feel. I want our audience to know how I feel. He lost me at that point. And it's now a year later. He doesn't have me back yet. Now, I know as a political animal, as a political, as a political observer, which I am, I can certainly see why and how he makes it back to the White House again. I can be objective in that and will continue to be objective in that. But I can't let the way he threw Mike Pence under the bus. Your turn. Go ahead, Doug. Well, Bruce, you're saying he lost you. Is that, is that, is that, uh, is that, is that, are you making news here? Is that, is that your first uh, admission that you actually voted for Donald Trump? Because I no, what I'm just saying no, no, is no. I, lo- I lost respect for him to be a president and a former president of the United States. I was embarrassed by the former president of the United States by what he did to his former vice president, who at the moment I thought that in my mind, his life was under attack. How do you do that? Well, How do you do it to another back, human being? Let let's let. I mean, wait, Bruce, back, back up a second. Yeah. Back back up, back up, and let's not forget. I'm backing the, up. The Trump administration was trying to get more National Guard to be on standby <clears throat> be, well before in the days leading up to January sixth. Trump Trump was trying to get more people there. Was trying to get more security there, and it was rejected by Nancy Pelosi and her her uh, palace guard there, the uh, the Capitol Police. I mean, can you honestly say? That's true. No, no, no. no, I'm talking about Donald Trump. You don't know, Doug, you don't know that at the moment that I just shared with our audience. I didn't know that, okay? Now, in between now, one of the other issues, which I think is uh, still a part of a great unanswered question, is what was Nancy Pelosi doing to plan? If 80,000 people were coming there, did she really think that 12,000 1,200 members of the Capitol Police were going to get it done? Did you really think that? I mean, those are the questions that that I would like to have answered now so that I could go back and and, and rethink my my position at that point and say, you know what, maybe maybe things were being done to protect the vice president that I didn't know about then. But at the moment, I don't know about that now, and it's a year later. Well, isn't that the thing? We finally hit the nail on the head, uh, Bruce. This this whole thing is a bit of a 
is is a is, is a facade. It's a bit of a fraud. The the idea that you know Nancy Pelosi and these Democrats, I won't speak for Fell, but the idea that Democrats are all oh, they're they're so you know they're crocodile tears. This is tears. This is just like nine eleven and the Civil War. And somebody on MSNBC yesterday compared it to uh, actually compared it to the Holocaust, which is which is which is obscene. There, let's face it, all these Pelosi, all these AOC, all these Democrats are happy. They're happy about about January six. It gives them I a, agree. An, an, an issue. And it's not about and it's not but more importantly, it's not about January six. It's about the this this upcoming November election. The Democrats want to federalize every state election. They want all these safeguards removed so that they can do the same kind of stuff that they did in twenty twenty. It's not likely to happen. And it's not That's what this is about. It's all about creating hysteria to do it. Phil Beverly. Wow. Uh, Phil Beverly. Here's what I want you to do. I don't know how to respond to that except to say that I I have a problem with a party that wants to make it more difficult to to engage in democracy. I mean, you know, I think it's a a pretty telling thing that country life. That's, this, is, this is no offense to El Salvador, but for El Salvador to have a higher voter turnout than the United States says something about our democracy. And I think it says something about people who would want it to be lower than that. And I think Rand Paul recently made the statement and, and really spoke truth about what Republicans believe about democracy, that, that Democrats convinced, bamboozled, whatever, people into voting for them. Phil. Back to you when we return. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, 
but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. Beyond the Beltway continues. Uh, Fritz Goldman is at the... uh, Spinning the dials tonight like he was a top 40 DJ many years ago at the University of Illinois. Uh, you, were, you were never a disc jockey. Syracuse. Oh, my God. Excuse me. The Orange Men. My God. One of the great broadcasting schools in the country. University of uh, Syracuse. Um, back to you. We're talking with Doug Ibendahl. We're talking with Philip Beverly. If you've heard the show either tonight or in the past, you know these guys don't agree on, on virtually anything. We're trying to see if there's some common ground. And, and by the way, surprisingly, I think there has been some degree of, of common ground or better understanding of the other side tonight because of our conversation. I hope you agree with that. Phil, we had to break uh, the last time you were making a comment uh, because of commercials again. So I want to send the microphone waves back to you to, to finish that uh, point. Yeah, I, I'm just sort of concerned about a party that wants to to make it more difficult to vote, especially when the evidence that the necessity for the the change is lacking. That's problematic. And I I think Rand Paul, you know, his statement about, you know, the the Democrats steal elections by convincing people to vote for them is really telling. And I think that that's much more representative of the Republican Party right now than than any other statement that I've, I've heard in the you know I wish I could get I wish I could get very excited about uh, your position Phil because I like honest elections I want elections to be honest but I just cannot comprehend why anyone would oppose some sort of voter identification before you vote to say that that's too difficult because someone is too poor or too black or whatever the reason is, whatever the excuse the Democrats give, frankly, is BS. It it, it means nothing. If you were expecting so, people so to Bruce, participate, may, you, you can make it easy this, for them. In this city, which is one of the most politically corrupt cities in the country. Okay, that's right? what you said. We know that. There's, there's, no, there's no mystery here about Chicago's political history. Right. I don't think I have ever been asked for ID when I go to a polling place. I give them my address and they say, oh, you're Philip at the and we're done. And I take the ballot and I go vote and we're done. Is there a problem with that? 
Phil, you've just said, Phil, you've just said we can't, Phil, we just said, you you just said we live in the most corrupt cities in the United States, and now you're bragging about the way we vote here, that you don't have to have an ID. I'm just saying is that that in the in the wake of what happened, and by the way, I made this suggestion on the air, okay? And I'm not saying that President Trump got the idea from me, but with all of, you, you took all of the the spirit or the dispirit that people had because Donald Trump lost the election, okay? He said the story that he thought that the election was stolen, okay? I've heard this before from losing candidates. Not recently, but I've heard it before. But Donald Trump, instead of just saying, I'm sorry, I've lost, I'm going away, he did something differently. He said uh, the election was stolen. He came up with reasons why he believes that it was stolen. He didn't find any judge that really agreed with him. But again, his people heard the story. It became a narrative. And now it is part of what Democrats describe as the big lie. But I said, you know what, if all these people around the country who supported you feel that you were robbed, why don't you use the next couple of years to rail against, at the statewide level, election voting that you think was inappropriate and there was a long list of things that they thought was inappropriate things that were changed because of covid that forced donald trump to lose whether that's true or not i don't know it i don't care it but it was it was a fact of life and what i'm saying is use the election use all these millions of people that are riled up use them as your ammunition to continue to put pressure after a presidential election Put the pressure where it belongs. Put it in the state legislatures because they're the ones that control elections. And that's exactly what's happened. It's happened in, what, 12, 15 states already. They, they're following that advice. So, so they're Bruce, saying, I, you know, and one of the things that I want, so by Bruce, the way, I want, I, I want, I, I want, I want a voter ID or I don't want electioneering. So... Those things happened in a couple of states, and now the Democrats are crying foul, saying that these new reforms brought on by the Trump presidency and the, and the after-presidency is something that is, you know, tantamount to the worst, uh, you know, attack on democracy since January 6th. That's only a year ago. Well, come on. Well, 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 I want, I want, no, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I'm going to let, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you talk, Doug, but I do want to let Phil respond to what I've said, and then we're going to go back to you, Doug. Okay, Phil first. So, so Bruce, I just had a question for you. So for me, and I get to speak about this because I'm, I'm sort of, I have the middle-class sensibility and economic resources and other resources to do this. Yes. ID is not an issue for me. I can give you five forms of ID from a passport on down to a, a concealed carry permit, right? Good. I, I've got all that that I can I can show. Some people don't. So, yes, if you feel it's important to have the rule, have the rule and provide access to people to make it easier for them to get that government ID. I agree. So don't create the problem. I agree. Right? Oh, it's a problem. They don't have ID. Oh, but we're not going to change anything about their access to getting the ID. That's the first thing. And the second thing, do you think it's okay to forbid people from handing out water bottles 
for people who've been in line for six hours, like the Georgia legislation did. Some of these reform these reforms, I, air quotes, right, are I absolutely gotta, ridiculous. I got to I got to talk to you on that, one, and then I'm going to go to I'm going to promise you I'm going to go to Doug. That part of the response by the Democrats and the national news media to what the state of Georgia did is an example to me of how the media and the Democrats are constantly in cahoots on the same issue. Because I looked at that issue, okay? There's an issue, there's an issue of electioneering. Electioneering is prohibited in most states. It certainly is prohibited in Illinois. And you cannot have anything that attempts to persuade someone to vote a particular way within a designated number of feet from the from the polling place. It could be 50 feet, it could be 100 feet. What happened in Georgia, someone wanted to say, well, we want to give water bottles away. Okay? That's one thing. But no one no one addressed what about what about if every water bottle had a uh, uh, you know, a picture of vote for Warnock on it or a vote for Stacey Abrams? Or a vote for uh, that's electioneering, know. and that should be illegal. Well, then, then don't tie, then don't what tie it, has don't, then on, don't tie it right? together in a narrative. Don't tie it together in a narrative that suggests that the big bad Republican election machinery in Georgia doesn't want thirsty people to have a, something to drink. It's against the law. It's Georgia for <laughs> God's sakes. Put a Coca-Cola stand outside every polling place. I don't care. It's not about giving someone who's thirsty a drink. It's suggesting that by, 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 by putting up a barrier against it, you somehow are keeping poor, thirsty people from getting a drink. It's this, it's this constant cacophony of, of poor me, poor me, you know, how I'm being downtrodden and, and picked on by government. That's the BS. That's the real BS in the way that the Democrats are playing this card. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. And, and I don't want to double agree people. That Republicans vote. do the poor me I, as well. Yes. I, yeah, absolutely. What you do for one, you do for okay, the other. Thank you. Equal. Okay. Equal. Doug, okay. your turn. Doug, go. Okay. I'll try to be, I'll be quick here. Oh. The idea, I, I practice a lot of election law, first of all, for what that's worth. Um, I'm, I'm really not that concerned about uh, a, a, a sticker for some campaign sneaks its way or somebody's shirt or. The box of uh, Dunkin' Donuts that uh, they bring in for the election judges. You know, no. I'm not. I'm not. That's that. I'm not opposed to the Dunkin' Donuts. No, what I'm no. worried. What I'm concerned about. You got to go to what? I'm not opposed what to I'm, the Dunkin'. What donuts. I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm concerned about these. Uh, about the, uh, the the mail-in ballots where the what the Democrats want to do again is just you know basically airdrop <laughs> ballots. To every you know every single resident in the United States of America, and these would allow to be just like they were um, in in 2000, can actually be harvested. You don't even have to you don't even have to drop them off to the clerk. We're actually putting boxes out on the street, and who knows is picking these up. I mean, they're bailing. You know, place like Chicago, you got you know big city, you got apartments. People are transitory. One apartment is getting you know six ballots for six different people because over the last 24 months, six different people have lived there. And, oh, do you honestly think I that agree. someone Doug, like, I isn't you. just filling all those out? Is there any six ballots? Is there any Come part on. of that? Is, is there, there any part don't of we that? Have, don't we have a register of elect of uh, <clears throat> voters? Don't we have their voter registration information? <clears throat> isn't that checked when those ballots you're, come in? In some you're, states, you're, in uh, some states, in some states we do, in some states we don't. 
you're horribly naive if no, you honestly no, think no, no. that there is um, that these these things are being. Uh, but you don't really think I don't think I don't seriously. believe I do and, not and, believe and there's corruption in every giving, state. Uh, I do not believe there's corruption in every state. I think there's a significant number of people who are charged, either the secretary of state or the the head of electioneering uh, in in states that they would like a fair, honest election. And some of these things that that appear to be fair and honest, they're they're a political party, Republican or Democrat. They're looking for some advantage that they can have. Politicians look for advantage. The only one that looks for fairness and balance is me. Every Sunday night, I'm Bruce Dumont. Song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today, here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest, and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 
Bruce Dumont back. I have one last question for each of our guests. Uh, these are the questions concerning the numbers. We played this earlier in the uh, program with each of our guests. The cost of cleanup and repair. What do you think it was uh, based on the uh, just on the attacks on on, on uh, January first, Phil? What do you think that number is? Any idea? Wow, um, I'd say fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million. Okay. Um, to you, uh, Doug Ibendal, what do you think? You know, I think I saw some about this. I, I think it, I think it was higher than that. I, I thought I saw something around fifty, but fifty million. But you know, yeah. So the federal government and you know, adding in all their overtime and mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, let me let me just let me just give the answer here. And by the way, all, all, only in Washington D.C. would you get a a, a split like this from one point five million to more than thirty million. So uh, send out that your favorite estimator, uh, and 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 see what the what the insurance bill comes back at one point five to thirty million dollars. And that is for the damage to the capital, and they factored in overtime pay and things of that nature to uh, the members of the police department. I don't know. I assume it was the National Guard, but that's how they prop those numbers up. Just like the numbers, uh, in if you, if you look at the estimates that came in from Seattle and Portland and all the other cities in the United States uh, that suffered domestic, uh, you know, violence uh, and disturbances uh, in the year before that, uh, obviously it was uh, it was close to a billion dollars. So um, you know, they they add these figures in, you don't know exactly where they came from, but basically a, a lot of money. We have less than 10 minutes left. I, I want to see if we can uh, end this in some sort of agreement. Phil, let me turn to you. Let me let me, let me ask you, uh, where do you think there might be some agreement about what we talked about tonight? Is it possible? Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess the agreement is that um, we both believe in adhering to the rule of law mm-hmm. and that mob rule, no matter the circumstances, is is just not acceptable in our democracy. Mm-hmm. Doug, what would you add to that? Well, yeah, okay, well, fine. I'll agree with that. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're both against mob rule. I, you know... Without putting too fine of a point on it, I would say that there's one party that's the that's really the party of the mob, of the violent mob, and it's unfortunate that a few bad eggs, you know, on, on January 6th of last year or, or of 2021, gave uh, you know gave gave some uh, some some ammunition to say, oh, that you know Trump supporters are violent, but. <clears throat> There, there was never. We've never had a candidate that was more pro law and order than Donald Trump, and it's unfortunate that that uh, you know some people got carried away on January sixth. But it going does to not run... compare Doug, to the, think... the violence that we have seen, the violence that we've seen from the left. <clears throat> Would you agree with that, uh, Phil? That the violence of the left in the previous summer and year and a half. Uh, where would you put that in comparison to the violence that took place at the insurrection or the the attack on the Capitol? 
I think in, in terms of violence, yes, it's violence, right? It's like getting, you know, sort of a concussion. Did you get it in a football game or did you get it because somebody came <clears throat> up from behind and hit you in the head with a pipe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you got a concussion and it's violence, but it's very different. Uh, I, I think some of the, the violence from, from the summer of 2020 was economically motivated, quite frankly. It's mm-hmm. rioters. It's looters, right? There, there's not a political message there. There's looters, and they should be dealt with the way that looters should be dealt with. I mean, I, I for one, was, was one of those who was just a little dismayed when people got all bent out of shape, especially on, on my side, when the, the quote about um, when the looting starts, the shooting starts from uh, a sheriff in Florida from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, why, why is that problematic? Don't loot. There, there's mm-hmm. no reason to, that justifies that in, in my mind, right? Do you think the attacking the Capitol is very different than looting, you know, footlocks? Yes. It yes. just is. Loot, if we don't see that, then we're, we're never going to agree on that. Does I, looting have know, a, well, let, me, um, let, me, let me ask a follow-up. Does, does looting have a racial connotation to it uh, in your view, Phil? Have a connotation? Oh, of course it does. I mean, we saw okay. that in Katrina, that the, the that black folks who were in Katrina trying to survive were looters. But then when there was somebody white, oh, they were just survivors. Eh, okay, I, I get that. And and there's some evidence to say that there's some disparity in, in sort of presentation and representation there. Is that an issue for, it, it, is, it, let me ask, go ahead, go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, in in, in 2020, <clears throat> the city of Chicago raised all the bridges over the rivers going into the loop to, I I don't think anyone, even even Glyfoot got that one right. And no one no one gave a darn what, what color the, the people were, but everyone knew these were not Trump supporters, that they were, they were trying to keep um, out of the loop by raising the bridges. These are, these are Joe Biden supporters. That were that were that well, were violent. Well, well, they were looking I would not. I would not, I would not oh, say that. I would not say Joe Biden support. I would not say they're Joe Biden. Places are, are actually politically <clears throat> they're by, they're by, yes, motivated yes, they and are. minded. Yes. Come on, no. absolutely, no, they're not. No, they they're don't not. vote. Absolutely, they don't vote. And you know, the voter turnout of people who were arrested, especially on the south and west side where I live. I know you don't live where I live. Where I live, those people don't vote. Right. Don't stop. So this nonsense about oh they're Biden supporters. Come on, no, that's not true, not true because they're not political. <laughs> okay, I'm Matt Cough. We're out. That is Doug's cough, not my. We're out of time. Doug Ibadol, thank you very much. Phil Beverly, thank you very much. Fritz Goldman, thank you very much. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thank you very much to everybody listening to this program this evening. We will be back, Lord willing, next Sunday night. See you then. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. 
We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.